Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Continuing in the series of restoration, studying the book of Isaiah. Guys, there's exciting things going on outside of this room. Uh, Tuesday night, Two Gun Tactical. Yep. First time I went, um, I would like to invite you again next month. Two Gun Tactical out in Flowood. Had the biggest group they've had yet. And a couple of those guys that are here this morning uh, that are attending here first time. Glad you're here, Jeff, Frank. Zoom guys. I don't know who we got logged in this morning, but uh, I know we got a couple of guys. Ad! Yeah. Welcome, brother. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Guys, exciting things going on at Deer Camp as well. Uh, you know, we, we had a fundraiser last year. Um, have had some uh, work going on up there. We've got a deer camp March 4th, 5th, and 6th, I believe it is, uh, filled up already with new guys. Do we have any alumni spots still available? Yep. Alumni spots still there. Uh, if you are interested in signing up as an alumni, please uh, let them know by going on the webpage and logging on. We got a little short video that uh, highlighting Roan and some of the <laughs> Some of the improvements, uh, Blair has been working hard up there coordinating some of that. So uh, let me just offer you this little video real quick and then I'll open for the prayer. Somebody might ask, you know, if you have gas, can you come to deer camp? Well, I have gas. I have lots of it. I let that out often. <laughs> well, he does. And it's not pleasant. And it is something that we have to deal with. It is a problem. But what we try to do at deer camp is like with many things, we suppress it down, way down. <laughs> and then, you know, if that doesn't work, we just put Roan way out back in the tent, way, way out back. But consider coming to our next deer camp anyway. Roan will be out in the tent. It won't be a problem. Don't let it stop you from coming. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I think I got set up on that one. <laughs> Come on, guys. I mean, really. Really. You know, as if as if I need as if I need any help at all. You know, I gotta tell you, my new friend Jeff was uh there Tuesday night and man, he he he, he I'm not gonna point him out, but Jeff Jeff shared a line in our in our our small group small table of four men that was I think the best I've ever heard. So one of the guys was there. Jeff and I both knew, and one of the guys that's been there before was kind of asking, said, "Man, what, what do you do?" He said, "I'm, I'm retired." Okay, that, that wasn't a good enough answer. So he kind of asked me, so, "I mean, what like what do you do?" He said, "I, I work at the Air Guard, but I'm retired." I, I got that, but pressing a little deeper, said, "So what do you do?" Now the guy asking the question lost his life, lost his wife, who battled cancer five different occasions. He's really kind of curious, what do you do? He said, I take care of my wife. Well, then he kind of got quiet, knowing what he'd been through with his wife. He said, man, I'm, I'm sorry, is she, is she ill? Is she sick? There's some concerns there? No, she's just a woman. <laughs> just a woman. <laughs> to which I raised my hand and said, yeah, I'm here because I'm a man. I'm here because I'm broken too. I'm just a guy. 
Guys, welcome to the men's round table. Me up a little prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. I thank you for my brothers that are here. Thank you for Phil, the lesson he's prepared, and the way you speak through him, Lord. I ask that you bring this message to us. May it be honey to our ears. May it lighten our hearts. May it open our eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Morning, gentlemen. I have a song for you this morning that we want to celebrate uh, the God of miracles. Um, I want to ask Blair uh, to come up, and um, Blair's going to share uh, with you um, a little bit of the miracles that have been going on at Ebenezer Place. Uh, we started out with some humor there around Ebenezer Place. Thank you uh, to uh, our uh, master uh, IT guy, uh, Jeff, put that together. But I want to offer you a song this morning. The words are on the back of your uh, handout there. Let me just read uh, just a short portion of this. Uh, God of Miracles, Chris McClarney. Let faith arise in spite of what I see, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. I choose to trust you. No matter what I feel, let faith arise. Let faith arise. For my champion's not dead. He is alive. Oh, and he already knows my every need. Surely he will come and rescue me. God of miracles come. We need your supernatural love to break through. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. I trust that this song uh, will uh, open your heart um, to what God has for us this morning. And the visuals are actually uh, the process of improvements that we're making uh, at our retreat site, uh, Ebenezer Place. Uh, we have our men's coaching weekend, AKA Deer Camp uh, next week, uh, weekend. And Blair uh, retired um, uh, so he could uh, be our project manager at Ebenezer Place. And he's really got a full-time job now. So uh, I want to show you this. Uh, may God open uh, our hearts to what he's doing both at Ebenezer Place and what he wants to do in our hearts this morning. And then Blair's going to come and share. Will you hear the voice of God?
Who, who was the guy that got hurt? Lion Miller. Really? That was uh, Saturday at the work. That was Saturday. Uh, they were cutting a tree down, and the tree fell on uh, Lion Miller. Wow. Uh, Twelve uh, stitches later, uh, he's fine. Oh, Lion, is that Lion? Yeah, Lion. Stand up without any uh, ado. We, we are glad that we didn't have to bury him up there in the graveyard. Uh, he is alive and well. Twelve stitches later, right, Lion? Staples, yeah. Staples, yeah. Well, same same thing. Modern day stitches, whatever. <laughs> Hope we don't get an OSHA fine up there. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for letting me come up here and talk a little bit about this. Uh, and let me just say, first of all, it's an honor. It's a privilege for me to be able to do this to have a chance to give back because um, like a lot of people in this room deer camp was started a process and a journey for me that i'm still on and uh it won't be through ever till i, I leave this life but it, it did start it and it's got a special place for me and i know it does for a bunch of you guys have been able to go <clears throat> so uh everybody knows we started out with pretty ambitious goal we want to raise $550,000 and build the big barn that y'all seen the uh, pictures of. Well, we didn't get to 550. God gave us 235. And so we, we had to sit back and evaluate, okay, what are our biggest needs up there that we can address with this $235,000? Number one was parking. Uh, number two is uh, uh, an ability to provide uh, 
food service to upwards of 40 people over the course of the weekend. And then number three is to provide ability for uh, between 30 and 40 people to have a spot to sleep up there. So that's what we started out or, or backed up and started looking at. So what that became, uh, number one is the parking lot uh, to provide parking up there for people. Uh, and you, you've seen the pictures, that's what we've gotten done so far. We've uh, the goal was to get the parking lot in by the first deer camp, and uh, we still got some time. Uh, we've run into some wet weather and, and some other issues, but hopefully we're going to make that happen. Uh, number two, we're going to build a cooking slash multi-purpose meeting pavilion, which if you look at this slide, it's right here. Uh, it's kind of catty corner to the existing kitchen. Uh, but we're going to do a, a full like commercial range in there, uh, kitchen area with a three compartment sink, stuff like that, so we can adequately uh, prepare food for people, wash dishes, all the stuff that we have so much trouble with now. And then uh, also we're going to incorporate a, an indoor meeting area slash eating area in there. Uh, the size of that building is going to be 36 feet long by 30 wide with an eight foot porch. Uh, coming across the front that's going to tie into the existing uh, kitchen cabin. Uh, so it, it's again, we're trying to make it all or, or maintain the character of, um, uh, of, of what we got up there now, which is sort of the rustic uh, thing. And Chip Hunt is helping us with the design and drawings, and, and he's, he's got the vision. He's doing a great job, and we've already got some preliminary stuff that we've worked on. Uh, Number three, uh, addressing need number three, the, the beds, you, you know, we've got the bunkhouse up there now that uh, has got a bunch of beds shoved in there. I think it'll sleep uh, 16 right now, but uh, the plan is to take the old kitchen cabin and convert it over into a bunk room uh, or to a bunk house. And I think based on looking at it, we can sleep 12 people in there. And then we'll take the executive cabin and going to do, try to do a little bit of work in it to where we can sleep four. So with, with everything up there, we'll wind up having around 30 people we can sleep up there. And then when we, when we get done with that, if we have some money left over, there's a plan maybe to do another bunkhouse right here, which is just kind of catty-cornered with the existing bathhouse and the uh, uh bunkhouse that's there now so so that's the the plan we've we've got we're working with in the vision um uh, and real quickly three things i'd like to share with y'all talking about miracles and uh you know I, i'm the guy that's always skeptical somebody says well there, that was a miracle i say yeah right all this stuff kind of came together and it really yeah it, it kind of was but it really wasn't but three things have happened up there that i can tell you there it was it's the hand of jesus in in up there right now, uh, which you know I'm grateful I was I'm I'm able to see and you know it's it's little m miracles it's not the big m miracles you see in the Bible uh, in some spots but nonetheless I'm convinced it is uh, number one was the idea of clearing this acre or so we've got for the parking lot up there we had about thirty big old pine trees that were anywhere from 18 to 24 inches in diameter. And if, if any of y'all know anything about clearing and grubbing land, to, to get a, nobody will pay you to come in and get that timber. It's just not viable for somebody that comes in in the lumber business. So 
We had to find some, or we looked for somebody who would come in, cut the timber and haul it off for us and dig the stumps. And it just so happened Terry Hodges, who lives down the street up there, knew a guy up there that had a sawmill at his house, one of these little portable sawmills. And so what we were able to do was, was rent a track hoe that cost us $2,200 for the week. And this guy came in and took down all the trees, dug all the stumps, did a burnt, big burn pile for us. And I think if, if we had had to hire a contractor to come in and do that, it would probably cost us ten dollars or $12,000. That's just off the top of my head. So miracle number one. Uh, miracle number two is the fact that, you know, in January and the first part of February, we've had unbelievably dry weather. And if you know anything about doing this kind of stuff, you can't do it in a mud hole, right? You know? <laughs> so, you know, here uh, we have been, I mean, yeah, you can say, yeah, it's, it was it was just dry and that would have happened anyway. But man, I, I believe that it was because we, we were trying to get done up there. And number three, uh, which just happened last week, uh, we needed a bulldozer. Uh, we had everything cleared and grubbed, but we still had to do all the final grading and get in there and, and get the thing graded down to a level where it would work and then um, get some crushed concrete spread on it. And I went for two weeks trying to find, figure out how to get somebody that knew how to operate a bulldozer up there and could help us with that. And uh, two weeks ago, I mentioned it to Joe. And Joe hooked me up with a young man named Cody Ware who wound up, working through uh, pocket machinery, got us a, a D5 bulldozer for three days, cost us $800, got us a skid steer that was free, donated the labor up there to come up there and do it, had a buddy of his come up there that had a laser leveler. And Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday last week, we went from a big mud hole up there, or, or basically a dirt hole, and y'all know how uh, the topography is up there in that area. We were trying to do this parking lot. We got it graded off and we got crushed concrete laid to the way you could see on the uh, uh, picture there. The only problem we had, and this is construction for you guys, uh, we had two dump trucks rotating through from Canton Concrete, bringing in crushed concrete last Wednesday. We started off at seven. And one of the dump trucks that showed up was listing about like that when he when he raised his dump bucket to dump. Then we dumped the dump truck over, and we and said, "Oh man, this thing gonna turn out good." And sure enough, he broke down at noon. So the rest of the day, we had one truck bringing you know on an hour long uh, round trip to Kent and back. So we did not wind up getting the, all the crushed concrete down, but we got enough where we can at least have deer camp. And hopefully if the weather holds and everything else, we can get up there next week and finish it out. So again, three miracles uh, that I'm convinced show that uh, the hand of, of God truly is on Ebenezer Place and what we're doing and, and the lives get changed up there. So again, thank y'all for letting me uh, share and uh, thank you, Phil. And Thank you, Blair. Praise be to God, God of miracles. Thank you, God. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we dig in.
to our series, The Power of Relationship to Restore and Renovate Us. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Isaiah 58, 12. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached relationship. Gentlemen, as I've said to you many, many times, all healing is relational. There is no healing without relationship. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth. But biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. I would, I would just add this to you. When you begin to change your behavior for the sake of another person, because you love that person, that's when your character changes. Your character does not change by your behavior. I call that becoming a circus animal. I mean, we can teach you to bounce a ball on your nose, do a backflip, and jump through a flaming hoop. That doesn't change your character. That makes you a circus animal. So it's not about behavior. It's about changing your behavior because you're in love. And that's what Jesus invites us into. He says, because you're in love with me, go be different. Go be different, not do different. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. And this morning, gentlemen, the piece of the transformation puzzle that we're looking at is getting quiet and being connected. There's 19 um, pieces of the transformation puzzle um, that we've been looking at. The last couple of weeks, we've looked at joy. This morning, again, we're talking about two of those 19 pieces, getting quiet and being connected. So I want you to turn over to your journal part this morning, and let's start with getting quiet. This is, this is a exercise that I want to walk you through this morning that I would invite you um, to do every morning. This is a way uh, to do your quiet time. Uh, this is a way to transform your time with God. Um, it's the idea of mindfulness. Well, let me just read this, um, these two little brief paragraphs there um, in your notes. How can we connect with God in our daily lives? God is always with us, but when we're rushing through the stress of everyday life, it can be hard to notice his presence. But no matter how busy we are, he is ready to meet us in the moments when we stop to connect with him. 
Practicing Christian mindfulness can remind us to turn our attention to God in the details of our daily lives. Now, before I read the next paragraph, you know, two years ago, uh, the pandemic started. We had deer camp uh, the weekend before. I remember that was March the 9th, was Monday morning. And um, we celebrated Abigail, my youngest daughter's 30th birthday. Uh, and we um, um, went to Hawaii, first trip to Hawaii. So came home on that Sunday. Uh, and Carl and I showed up at the Mobile Airport uh, Ralph at 5 a.m. on Monday morning. And we flew to Hawaii. And, uh, you know, the week's going by um, and the world's changing. Of course, the girls were clueless, you know. They're in Hawaii, you know. And I'm watching the news and watching the news. And my butt cheeks are getting a little tighter every day. And it's like, oh, my goodness, the world's changing. The world's changing. You know, Monday goes by, night, the 10th, the 11th, the 12th. And we leave on the 13th. And by the 13th, I am glad to be headed home because the world has changed by March the 13th. I knew we were in trouble when they shut down the SEC basketball tournament. That's when it got my attention. The reason I tell you that story is because, uh, like most of us, my anxiety went up. I wasn't sure how life was going to work. And I knew that I had to get much more deliberate and intentional about spending daily time with God. And so I, I kind of got, got myself back into um, a, a disciplined routine uh, that I'd kind of gotten slack in. And I knew that I needed to quiet my heart every morning because my anxiety and my fears were getting the best of me. The basis for Christian mindfulness is the fact that God is present Traditional mindfulness encourages awareness of our experiences in the present moment. If God is always with us, then Christian mindfulness is the simple awareness of God's active presence and involvement in our everyday present moment experiences. So guys, I want to walk you just through a brief example of what you can do every morning to anchor yourself in God. So I want you to walk with me through these seven steps, just briefly. We're going to do this in about three to five minutes. And if you were doing this at home, I would hope that you would uh, do it in 15, 30, even an hour. First thing I want you to do is I want you to uh, drop everything that you've got in your hands, no pens, no nothing, put your feet on the floor, and just relax and begin to be aware of your breathing. Just be centered. Ground yourself in the present moment. Be present. Get out of your monkey brain. And remember this passage. Psalm 118, verse 24, just simply says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Typically, when I begin my time with God, I will start out uh, writing, and I'll write the phrase, today is a gift. I am here today, and what you have got for me today is in your hands. And so I anchor myself in today. So I want you to be anchored in today. Thank you, God, for today. I want you to be aware of what you see around you. What do you see around you? Just for a minute, 
allow yourself to see what you see. What I see is a group of men who are seeking God. What I see is a, an incredible room in a corporate training room of men who are hungry to know God. I see that. I want you to be aware of what you're feeling right now. Some of you are really anxious. Some of you are fearful. Some of you are celebrating. Some of you are filled with joy. Just be aware of what you're feeling. Feeling is a way to connect. Feeling. I want you to be aware of what you're hearing. What do I hear? What do I hear? Certainly part of what you hear is you hear my voice. And my prayer is that God's using my voice to speak his words. Nothing special about me. I'm just as broken, if not more so than you are. But I believe God's going to use me. And you hear a voice that I pray is the voice of God. I want you to be aware of what you smell. Just attune yourself, your senses, smell. You know, you know what I smell this morning? I smell the fragrance of Jesus because God says that we are the fragrant aroma. I smell Jesus this morning. And then taste. Just be aware of taste. I love coffee. Thank you, God. It's a gift. I don't deserve coffee, you know, but it's a gift. It's little things. Now, I'd be really, really cranky if I didn't have my coffee. So thank you, God. I can taste coffee. So now that you're somewhat just grounded in the present, I want you to close your eyes and just breathe. Again, breathe deeply. And I want you to do a two-word prayer. A two-word prayer. Just use two words. For example, trust God. Love Jesus. Let two words come into your mind. And again, be mindful of Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and just breathe the phrase of your two-word prayer. I, I will. I'm available. Whatever the two words are. And then, if we had more time, I would invite you just to open your Bible. And you might even open it <clears throat> to a passage like Isaiah 46, 4, 3 and 4. Isaiah 46. I've been going through the Psalms in my own um, time with God. I'm right now, um, I've been doing this for a couple of years, and I've worked my way all the way to Psalm 119. I'm that far along. I'm lo loving Psalm 119. But listen to Isaiah 46, verse 3. Listen to me, family of Jacob, everyone that's left of the family of Israel. I've been carrying you on my back from the day you were born, and I'll keep on carrying you when you're old. I'll be there bearing you when you're old and gray. I've done it and will keep on doing it, carrying you on my back 
saving you. Thank you, God. You've been carrying me all along, meditating on his word. And then number four, listen to the people that you talk with. Who, who gives you counsel? Just be mind, mindful of that. Genesis 1.27 is this idea of the creation mandate. We are all image bearers of God. Who do you listen to? Who might you need to listen to today? I need to seek counsel. Most of our mistakes in life is because we're isolated and we go off impulsively and compulsively. And yet God says plans are made with many counselors. Who do I need to listen to today? And let God bring that to your mind. I don't want to be isolated. Number five, pause a minute and appreciate beauty. God is an artist. He's a creation of beauty. And let beauty come to your mind. What do you see? What do you see? Beauty. I love the summer trips that we take because we take 25, 30 men out west and we enjoy God's cathedral and we experience the beauty of his creation. Beauty. Don't get caught up in the chaos. See the beauty. And then number six, as you work your way through this, just notice what's happening in your body. Your body will hold the anxiety. And part of this exercise and being mindful is to release the energy from your body and imagine yourself being held up by God. Release, breathe, breathe. Allow your body to relax. Because 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says your body is the temple of God. Kind of clean it out, flush it out, wash it out, be relaxed. And then number seven is say a prayer for somebody else. Who do you pray for this morning? Express compassion, kindness, and even possible forgiveness to somebody who has wronged you or somebody who needs to be blessed. Amen. Mindfulness of God, just getting quiet. Guys, we need to be doing that every day, every day, every day. That's, that's just a pattern that I would offer to you and suggest to you. I hope this weekend that you'll take more than five minutes that we just did to walk through that. It's a great exercise. Turn over to Isaiah. Let's dig in. <clears throat> Isaiah, the masterpiece of the Old Testament. What a beautiful picture of God through Isaiah. The message of Isaiah all throughout is if we summarize it in a phrase, he is coming. And gentlemen, the message of Isaiah has great relevance to you and me today. He's coming. 
God allowed the prophets to look far into the future. And Isaiah had the spirit of expectation. We hear him cry all through the book. He's coming. He's coming. Isaiah, you know, was preaching at a time when the northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed by Assyria. And now Isaiah was trying to help Judah, the southern kingdom, not fall in the same way. Better days are ahead. Victory. Victory, he cries. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. And if you've never meditated through Isaiah 53, never written it out in your own words, man, you're missing. You're missing a great way to get yourself anchored uh, in the hope and the promise that God gives us through this great prophet, this masterpiece, this artist. He was probably the greatest expositor, greatest prophet of all the prophets. He, he, he is seen um, as the master. And as I've said to you before, Isaiah is not this chronological book. It's really a collection of Isaiah's sermons and prophecies. First six verses of Isaiah 53, just to read a brief portion of it. Follow with me. Isaiah 53, who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? And again, keep in mind that he's giving them a picture of this coming Savior. And of course, they're still trying to get their hands and uh, in, 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 in eyes, their heart wrapped around this idea. Okay, Assyria and Babylon are our political enemies. There's these nations. Okay, so, so this great Savior is going to come in and going to politically save us. No, not exactly. It's much more about your heart than your politics. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. Now, who's he talking about? His name is Jesus. They thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pain he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him. Your sins, my sins, the things that you're ashamed of, the things that you would not want to come up here, grab Joe's uh, mic and share in front of the group this morning. That's why he died. That ripped and tore and crushed him our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. 
Well, gentlemen, one of my early mentors taught me that one way to study scripture, internalize scripture, is to write out scripture in your own words as if that were Jesus was sitting right across from you and he was saying this to you and personalize it. I would invite you to write that out. Those Just those six verses, just sit down and write it out. It might sound something like this if you jump down to verse two. Jesus grew up before his heavenly father. He was just a runt, a nothing, a scrubby little guy that nobody seemed to understand who he was. There was nothing attractive about him. He was not the best looking kid in the neighborhood. And on and on you go. And you just personalize it. You just write it out. And then you get down to that part where the things that I'm ashamed of, the things that I failed in, is why Jesus came to set me free, that I can experience forgiveness. You know, um, beauty is so critical to us. We can't live without it. And one of the most beautiful things that I believe that I've seen is another man being open and honest about his brokenness. And the shame just start to come forth and those tears come. And then a group of other men are gathered around him and they love on him and care on him. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I've seen it hundreds of times. I've been the one crying and Ralph and I was set together and I just boo-hooed cried in Colorado because I was so ashamed of my own failure and my brokenness. And Ralph loved on me and the other guys did. And I've seen Ralph love on hundreds of guys himself. It's a beautiful thing. It's beauty. You cannot live without beauty. You cannot live without it. We were made for it. And when God gets a hold of us, what he intends is that he would create a community of worship and peace. Just to flip over to Isaiah 56. And I would encourage you to read that. I'm running out of time here, so read that on your own. When God gets a hold of our life, what he intends to do is to create a community of men who worship God and experience his peace. I see that. So part of this idea of being restored, and Isaiah gives us hope, and when we talk about being restored, um, there, there's these 19 um, processes, pieces of the puzzle, if you will. Um, one is the experience of joy. We talked about that last week. Secondly, is this getting quiet? You've got to get quiet and begin to get your monkey brain, if you will, to calm down, okay? Get quiet. Then thirdly is being connected to another person. 
It's this idea of, of a link, a bond between heart and face. Heart and face. Now, rather than try to teach that to you, I want to show it to you. I want to show you what this looks like by introducing you to Melvin and Carol. Great movie. Um, as good as it gets. And Melvin is just, he's, he's kind of a loser of a character. You'll have to watch the movie. But he starts being transformed by Carol's love. And they finally risk going out on a date. It's, it's Carol's risk because Melvin can embarrass himself so easily. They go into this nice restaurant and Melvin's not even dressed appropriately. So they, they turn him away at the door because it's a really nice restaurant. And he has to go buy a blue blazer before he can get in the restaurant. So he goes and buys his blazer. Carol's waiting on him to get back from the clothing store. He buys the blazer. Now I want you to watch this. This is a powerful scene of just connecting, of really connecting with another person. Watch Melvin and Carol. You want to dance? Well, I've been thinking about that since you brought it up before. And? No. I don't get this place. They make me buy a new outfit. They let you in in a house dress. I don't get it. What? Wait, wait no, wait, why? Where are you going? No, why? I mean, I... Uh, no, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, you gotta sit down. You can still give me the dirty look. Just sit down and give it to me. Pay me a compliment, Melvin. I need one. Quick. You have no idea how much what you just said hurt my feelings. The moment someone gets that they need you, they threaten to walk out. A compliment is something nice about somebody else. This is a request from June. And now or never. Okay. Happy anniversary. And mean it. We order first. Okay. Um, uh, two hard shell crab dinners, pitcher ice cold beer, uh, baked or fries. Fries. One baked, one fried. I'll tell your waiter. Waiter. Okay. I got a real great compliment for you, and it's true. I'm so afraid you're about to say something awful. Don't be pessimistic. It's not your style. Okay. Here I go. Clearly a mistake. I've got this, what, ailment? My doctor, a shrink that I used to go to all the time, he says that in 50 or 60% of the cases, a pill really helps. I hate pills. Very dangerous thing, pills. Hate. I'm using the word hate here about pills. Hate. 
my compliment is, that night when you came over and told me that you would never... Um... um all right, well, yeah, you were there. You know, you know what you said. Well, my compliment to you is... The next morning, I started taking the pills. I don't quite get how that's a compliment for me. You make me want to be a better man. That's maybe the best compliment of my life. Well, maybe I overshot a little because I was aiming at just enough to keep you from walking out. <laughs> to be known, to be seen, to be heard, to be included. That's what we all long for. And when Melvin gives Carol the compliment, the look in her eyes is transformative. See, that's what Jesus has come to do, is to allow us to be known, to be discovered, to look into one another's eyes. It's about connection. It's not about behavior. That's what I want to keep encouraging you with. See the people that you love. Look them in the eye. Be seen by them. Fill up your love tank with connection. It is about relationship the power of relationship. And that relationship starts with Jesus. And then we see him through the eyes of his church, through the eyes of his body. We believe in an incarnational gospel. Jesus with skin on it. I see it all the time. It's a beautiful thing. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you uh, that you've given us this time this morning. Thank you for all that you are doing in us and through us and as evidence of your presence. You have come. You have brought joy to the world and joy to our lives. May we live it out in a way that brings glory to you this day and continued healing of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week.